This uh, is a shir about Purim, about the Megillah, and it's dedicated in memory of Dr. Chuck Feldman, Tzichrono Libracha, by his loving family. I've spoken in the past about what an exceptional uh, community-minded, Jewish education-minded doctor Dr. Feldman was. So I don't think I have to go over it, but my appreciation of his uh, achievement remains intact. Um, I wanted to talk about Esther. Esther, the queen of the, uh, the queen, the Jewish queen. Esther, the Jewish queen. You know, Esther seems to me always to be, but I don't know exactly what, what we're supposed to think about Esther. But I guess she was, in a way, a Jewish heroine. But in the story of the Megillah, the story as told in the Megillah, she's a kind of a passive. Um, doesn't really, doesn't really do, do much. Uh, she's not proactive in the, in the manner of heroic personalities. Here in... Uh, for example, uh, we're not sure exactly why she entered the competition to become queen. Like, what motivated her? I don't think, uh, given the opportunity today, the, uh, most Beis Yaakov girls would you know, join in that competition to become uh, the queen. But she did. She did, and it mostly the Megillah talks about uh, but how Mordechai was watching out for her. In Perik Bet, Pasuk Yud Aleph, it's not on the sheet. We'll get to the sheet presently. Mordechai would pass by the house of the women. To find out how she was doing. I mean, how could she be doing? I mean, he got her into that predicament. But again, what I, what I mean to say is that she is not, she's not proactive. She's not, not proactive. She's just in, lo, in line. Perik bet pasuk When it came her turn, I lavoel hamelech lo which I guess means she didn't ask for special perfumes or. You know, whatever else you can smear on yourself. That's usually the way it's understood. But But she she just got dressed up as was as was generally the case or the, the habit. So when we, we, when we read that Pasuk, it says, he, he loved her. Okay, the word is a difficult word. Uh, like when, when the Pasuk says, Noach uh, Right, Be'nei Hashem. So you say, gee, that really must be something. The whole world was destroyed and Noach remained. But when it says that uh, 
that if I have a melech at Esther, we call an Ashim, but he's a chain v'chesed l'fanah, we call a betuloto. We don't think that Chachveirosh is capable of profound feeling. So Vayehav, it doesn't have only a romantic implication. It's like, I like this ice cream better than that ice cream. I like is something, a word that you can use in many different contexts. So Vayehav could also mean he thought it was a good idea. Is that we, we tend to mix up marriage and romance. And in the ancient world, the ancient world marriage, especially for kings and people aspiring to be kings, marriage was a, a practical kind of event. Something that you, uh, you, you, you tried to get a good deal. Right, try to get a good deal. Uh, so Vayehav could mean simply that. That he saw in her what he was looking for. And what he was looking for, obviously, I mean, when you read the Megillah, when you read the Megillah, what he was looking for was someone who came from no place, who had no support, who had no family, who had no uh, uh, operatives working for her. That's what he was looking for. Because after all, we all know that Ahasuerus usurped the kingship. He was not the son of a king. In the first pasuk of the Megillah, it says, who Ahasuerus, right? Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus. Now you know that it's very common in the Tanakh. The first time a person is mentioned, he's mentioned his name and his father's name. He is mentioned and his father is, is mentioned. Achashverosh doesn't have a father in the beginning. Again, by he be me Achashverosh, who Achashverosh, Abolech behodu veatkush, it's just Achashverosh. Why? Because he usurped the kingship. He's the, a king, but not the son of a king. So when the, not the son of a king is mentioned, it's not to his honor to mention his father's name. Then he said, he said, Vashti, Vashti, you remember her? Come to the party. Now that, that's the question. What did he want to accomplish by saying, Vashti, come to the party? Well, obviously Vashti, at least in the ancient world, it was quite common for the king who usurped the monarchy to marry the wife of the previous king to take her as his wife as a sign that everybody had uh, capitulated to this, uh, to this transfer of power. But that's what, uh, that's what he said. Uh, that's, what, uh, that's what happened. So Ahasuerus wanted to marry Vashti. Vashti apparently had some power, some residual power left from the previous administration and by bringing her into the party and showing her off that would indicate to everybody to the all of the nations that had been conquered originally by Babylonia and were now under the rulership of Persia right they would they would everybody would know that Ahasuerus was truly in charge because Vashti who was the seat of the opposition 
the seat of the opposition was kind of giving in. He was, she was going to come, but unfortunately for her, she decided no, that she was making Custer's last stand at that time, and she refused to come. And when she refused to come, was she crazy? Well, she's not crazy because she had certain support. She had support somehow in the, in the, in the palace, and she was part of the palace intrigues, but Achashverosh, uh, accepting the advice of his uh, advisors, moved quickly and had her, uh, had her killed. Uh, so that solidified his, uh, his position as the king of Persia. King of Persia meant the king over many uh, uh, smaller nations which had all been conquered originally by the Babylonians. And the, Babel, the seat of Babylonian power was conquered by the Persians, right? The Persians, the first Persian king that we know about, or the first Persian was Koresh in Hebrew, usually written as Cyrus in English. And he was the one who originally allowed the Jews to go back to Eretz Israel and to start rebuilding the Mikdash, the temple, and the wall, finishing the wall around, around Yerushalayim, that eventually was stopped. That eventually was prevented by the Persians themselves. Right? There was this problem about uh, you know, who, the Persians, who the Persians really uh, were in favor of. But there's no, there's no doubt that Achashverosh Achashverosh was not a particularly strong king. And so you can look around and say, what, how would he choose to replace, to replace his wife Vashti after she was killed? Where is he going to get another wife from? So this has nothing to do with relationships. It has nothing to do with, with uh, sexual relationships of any guy. It has nothing to do with romance. He wanted to know who should he get to be the queen of the land that would uh, uh, not give him a problem, that would not create a problem. So he needed somebody who didn't have a name and didn't have a people and didn't have an organization and from whom he had no worries. And that girl was Esther, right? A Jewish girl, a Jewish girl who accepted a non-Jewish name, right? Her, her real name, as the Megillah says, was Hadassah, which is a wonderful Hebrew name, I think, even though none of my children or grandchildren are named Hadassah, but it's a nice name. But, but, uh, but, she, but she converted. She liked it, she didn't convert, but she was, um, you know, she wanted to be regular. So she called herself Esther. In the Esther, where did you see his name? It wasn't then. So back then, Esther wasn't a Jew. I don't know, where, when is then? We mean at the, the moment, at the moment she was born? No, the time of the Megiddo. I, I doubt it, I doubt it. The no, Esther, no. Esther comes from the word Ishtar. It's like, it's like calling your child, uh, I don't want to say. <laughs> You're like, what? You're like calling your Isabel. child. Isabel. What? Jewish little girls like Isabel. Yes. There's a lot of Esther's. It's true, but the Jews don't know no. that. No. But the, in Persia, yeah. they must have known that Esther was a Persian god. They must have known. It can't, it can't be. It's like, 
Right. Uh, somebody know what Isidore is, or somebody know. Yeah. There, are, there are plenty of Jews who have names that, that go back to to idolatries, but it took them a thousand years to get to it. Right? It didn't take. They they they're worshiping Ishtar. At the same time, and you name your Jewish daughter Ishtar. I mean, that's crazy. So so uh, uh, so there's Esther. She doesn't have a name. She lost her name. She lost her identity. She doesn't have a family. She has an uncle who seems to be, you know, smart. Mordechai, smart, smart guy, can figure things out. Esther, on the other hand, doesn't seem to be able to figure it out, figure it out when, when the uh, Haman and Ahasuerus decide to do it to Jewish people. So she was um, unable to, to act. Mordechai, Mordechai uh, uh, went into a state of mourning, right, in public. He was mourning in public, I guess, to encourage the Jews that they should do something. What did Esther say? Esther says, oh, my goodness, he's, he's not dressed up. He's not dressed properly. How could he come to visit the, the castle of the, of the king? I mean, she was totally out of it. She didn't realize what the stakes were. He had to convince her, he, Mordechai, had to convince her that there was something happening. She didn't, she didn't even really uh, uh, know that. Is Mordechai a Jewish name? What? Is Mordechai a Jewish name? Probably not. Yeah, so he, he changed yeah, his name also. What? He changed his name also. No, he didn't change his name. He was called Mordechai when he was born. But the Megillah says, I'm just saying, Megillah says, he, uh, Esther, he had, as it says it about, about her. So it could be that Mordechai was already established as a, a Jewish name. But yes, the truth is Marduk. Uh, Marduk is uh, certainly not a, a, a Jewish god, yeah. right? Uh, so it's true that th these things don't happen simultaneously, but I'm only uh, uh, noting the fact that the Megillah itself says that she had two names. Right? There was the name that maybe she got when she was born, but then the name that she was known at. So she was uh, kind of uh, assimilating. She was an assimilating personality, whereas Mordechai was not. Right? Whatever, whatever Mordechai did right or wrong on this the story of the Megillah, he, would, he did not assimilate. So you're right? Saying, so you're saying she changed Esther before she was taken to the king? She, not, not as a result of taking the king, but way before she was very known as Esther. That's what we say. Yeah, which is why she could participate. Because in, in Persia, the name Esther didn't mean anything. Like, it didn't, like, didn't connect you to a group or to a, uh, uh, you know, to, to a, a, a faction. It had no political meaning. It was like John Smith. Right? So... That's the name that she that she chose. Wasn't it though that so many of us have a Hebrew name and an American name? Yeah, there was a Whether period like that. Assimilated or not? Yeah, like when, when uh, fifty years ago in America, a lot of the Jewish kids were given Jewish names and regular names, and on the birth certificate, on the birth certificate, they wrote the not the Hebrew name, but the. The name that they had for public for public consumption, right. but uh, and that's changed. So he had changed even in a short period of time. I think today most religious Jews give their children Hebrew Hebrew names, 
and they write them in the birth certificate as Hebrew names. It's the only name they the only name they have, which is either because it's so good in Chutzlaretz or because they copy Israel or you know what are the other. Wasn't Vashti supposedly from the family of Nebuchadnezzar? Well, yeah, I suppose. That's, a, you know, that's what Chazal say. Yeah. doesn't say that in the Megillah. Right. But we can assume... But I say we're going to assume that Vashti had some independent source of power. Right? That, that he, she was the wife of the last Nebuchadnezzar who was conquered by Koresh. Right? But the, the, it was the nation or the, the empire the Babylonian Empire remained intact under the Persians, which meant that the Persians were able to collect taxes. And that was what an empire was in those days. It wasn't like they drew maps and they gave them out to all the little children. They actually collected, collected the taxes. That, that's how you knew that you were part of the empire. And if you didn't pay up, the idea was they would send an army to beat you into submission. What we know about is what happened in Eretz Yisrael after the time of the Chashmonaim. Like the assumption is that Achashverosh, this Achashverosh was about the time of the, of the Chashmonaim. So they collected the taxes through the temple. And always the Jews were used to donating money to the temple. Uh, first of all, it's halachically correct. And second of all, it seemed the thing that you should, where they could give the money to. I mean, that's, that was the main charity that existed. The Romans, first the Greeks and then the Romans would collect uh, uh, their taxes through the, through the temple, leaving some behind for the Kohanim. So of course this created a kind of corrupt situation, which unfortunately we today are all very familiar with. For one reason or another, and uh, and the whole system became corrupt. Those who became corrupt, they got so corrupt that the Chachamim, uh, you know, that we know about first from Pirkei Avot, Avtalion and Hillel and Shammai, and uh, they could not, they they would discuss in the Gemara or in the Mishnah things that happened in the Beit HaMikdash. In other words, they could not trust what was going on in the Beit HaMikdash to be necessarily halachically correct. So they would discuss it. they say, well, you should do it this way, you should do it that way, even though they, they knew what they did in the Beit HaMikdash. But the Beit HaMikdash was no longer a source, of, of, um, a source that they could trust. So they didn't trust it. They didn't trust the Beit HaMikdash. So in any event, uh, so again, Mordechai, Mordechai and Esther are trying to communicate about what's going on, right? So Mordechai gets dressed up in clothing of mourning, and Esther keeps saying, "What are you doing? You're going to embarrass us. We're going to be we're not going to be able to do anything." Like she, she again, Esther is out of it. She's out of the real picture until um, uh, until uh, she, he says to her, uh, he, uh, I'm, I'm looking in Perik Dalit, which you don't have. Uh, he said, he says, at all of the, the directives that Haman sent out to destroy the Jews, he showed to Esther, she didn't know anything about it. 
to tell her and to command her, to direct her, this was Mordechai's plan. I mean, Esther didn't know Bechlal what was going on. And, and Mordechai, I would say, Mordechai didn't have a plan. Because what did Mordechai say? You'll go to the king. He said, And you'll beg him. You'll beg him to, to, change, to change the directive. And to, to, uh, you will ask him, you will beg him to save your people. Now why did he think, or did he think that this was going to work? I mean, the only thing I, uh, I can understand is that maybe Mordechai was, uh, was a religious person, and he felt that, that uh, prayer will help. And suddenly, Esther does understand something, because she says, she says, He says, you can't go. I, I can't get to that point, she says, of begging the king. Because before I beg him, he's going to kill me. Because the rule is, you can't go to the king's palace or to the, to the, or to the hall in which the king is, is to be found unless he invites you. And he hasn't invited me. Yeah, we, we're not close. Me and Achashverosh. I mean, we're just not, not close. It's been 30 days since I've been called to come to the king. So Mordechai says to Esther, This is really an awful, awful verse. He says, Do not imagine that you will be able to escape the fate of the others, of the, the other fate of the Jewish people. She said she wanted to escape the fate of the Jewish people. Well, in other words, here you have Mordechai inside. He says, you know, Esther, she's already a little bit assimilated. It's gone to her head. She figures she's not part of Am Yisrael. And that's why she's not going to take a chance, because if she takes a chance on talking to Achashverosh about the situation, she might easily get killed. I mean, that's what happened to Vashti. And why wouldn't it happen to Esther? Mordechai apparently recognizes the reluctance that Esther has, which is not based necessarily, not based on the fact that she didn't think she could do it, but it's based on the fact that she thought she could get away with it. How do I know that? Because that's what Mordechai says. This is Perek Dalit Pasuk Yud Gimel. Dalit 13. She never said it. She never said she wanted Limalait. Ki im Because if you keep quiet now, now this makes Mordechai into some sort of a prophetic personality. It's like Mordechai's argument to Esther is that it just can't happen. Just can't happen. Just similar to the, to the not similar to, but on the same level as the argument that uh, 
that Moshe Rabbeinu had when HaKadosh Baruch Hu suggested let's do away with the Jewish people we'll start over again you, you Moshe will be the father of a new people and Moshe Rabbeinu said what, what, what are they going to say it can't be what are the other nations of the world going to say about God's inability <coughs> to build, bring us to bring us to, uh, to Eretz Canaan so I mean, the argument defies, defies reasonableness nevertheless Moshe Rabbeinu made it and here you see Mordechai making a similar kind of argument. Mordechai says, it's not that you're taking a chance, Esther. It's that you're taking the opportunity. Because the end of the day, it's all controlled by heaven. And it cannot be that heaven wants Haman to destroy the Jewish people. It's, however, even if you believe that to be true, when you see an opportunity, you have to take it. You have to take the opportunity. And that's what Mordechai said to, to, uh, to Esther. Again, If you keep quiet, They will be saved. The Jews will be saved. That's nothing to do with you. It'll come from some other place. And only you and your family will be destroyed. I mean, this is like, oh, be your day of late kazoti, this is an example of what's called hashkacha. Hashkacha is a difficult notion, the difficult the watchfulness of God over the world, that everything that happens in the world somehow relates to divine will. This is a difficult, this is a difficult, uh, uh, a difficult notion, because it's hard to know exactly what the parameters are. Because we know that the world, or we accept the idea that the world was created granting the people in the world free will. So free will means, uh, it could mean, or might mean, free from God's will. It's not God that tells me what to do. I tell myself what to do. Before occasionally God, occasionally God can take the free will away, like the power, and, and certain other people, God can take the free will away. Okay, okay. Uh, you know, uh, you, if you know, that's great. Uh, I, Nobody I, knows. I don't really know. Nobody knows. Mi yodea says. Mi yodea, like she was thinking that she became queen because she had objective uh, 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 talents and conditions that made her worthy of being queen of Mordechai disabuses her of that. And she says, you know, that, that just you becoming queen, that was pretty miraculous. That was rather un... We were not prepared for that. It was not something we expected. And so if that's what happened, you have to think to yourself, Master, maybe that's the only reason you became queen, that you could plea on behalf of the people of, the people of Israel. Before I always think that this is that uh, Mordechai is critical of her in the same way that the women are misju uh, misjudged for not giving their earrings, and in which not giving their earrings, and they're not giving their earrings when they don't want to give it to a bad cause like the golden calf. That you could also think that here she was chosen, she was put in that position by God. And when Mordechai comes in and he thinks that the only reason that she doesn't want it, he, he thinks that for selfish reasons, 
uh, just as the women were judged that for selfish reasons they didn't want to give up their earrings, that they, um, uh, that she, she didn't, she wanted the whole plan. And if she knew, as soon as she knew that there was, if she would, she went there and, and he was killed, and she was killed, then help would come from another source. So that she, at the time, was the only thing they had going for them in the palace. So if you read it like that, that he, he in a way, kind of misjudges her and thinks that she's only there for selfish reasons. She doesn't want to die. And I, and I don't see where we can read in the text that she thought she was there for um, because she was so beautiful or so wonderful. I think that's a misinterpretation and a bad judgment of our heroine here. Look, I, I, I fought. I agree. I can't, I can't argue. I can't. That's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, so pasuk pasuk tetzayin perik dal pasuk tetzayin. I'll read it again. Leich kenosat kol ayudim. Suddenly, Esther wakes up. I mean, after being berated by Mordechai and put down by him and saying, you know, you're the queen, but you're really nothing because you're not recognized as the queen. You don't show off yourself as the queen. You don't have any power as the queen. Is, but, uh, so suddenly Esther wakes up to the realities. Not only, and, and, and in spite of the fact that she's already claimed that she can't do anything, she decides to try, mm. right? She changes her mind and she says to Mordechai, collect all the Jews and and fast for three days, Laila Vayom, day and night, Kavaniva Narotayatsum came, I and my handmaidens will also fast. I will go to the king uninvited, right, as far as, in spite of the fact that this is a dangerous thing to do. And he, she ends by saying, Kasher Avadati, Avadati. So you understand that. Esther has suddenly woken up. Mm -hmm. She's woken up to the fact that she has to do something. So before she thought she could do something, and Mordechai gave her confidence to do something now. Maybe. Maybe, but I, what I think is interesting is that also that there's still no plan. I mean, so what is she going to do? So she comes up with a plan. She does? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. So anyway, let's look at the sheet. Now we can look together. So, so the first, first, first thing she got through, the first stage, and they had a dinner, and she said, let's invite Haman with us. We don't know why. But at the end of that first dinner, nothing had happened. There, nothing, there was no plea. There was no request, there was no desire, there was no fight, there was no, like nothing. Nothing happened, so the king said to, to Esther, well, what, what should I do? The king said, yeah. that famous line that Achashverosh went down in literary history by saying, half of the kingship I will give you, but only half. So, uh, so he said, what do you want? What'd she say? Come to another, right, another soon. She's playing hard to get. What? She's playing she hard to get. She's playing hard to get. 
He got her. You don't have to play hard to get after you got, after you got. Them. No, but she was more suspicious. Okay. Let's do. Let's do pay. My grandpa does it. They have that big feast. The whole thing opens with a big feast. They're eating all the time. It's totally. Okay, but Perikzai, by a boy Melifah man, Mishtoti Mister Hamalka. Right. So they came again to the second party, and the second party is called a Mishteh, a place where you drink. Drinking was a big deal because the water wasn't so good, so whatever you could drink was. Uh, you know, the, the, the fancier the drinks, the more kind of classy the dinner. And so the king, he doesn't know what's going on. Or maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. What do you want, Esther? I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Like, what happened to this king that didn't invite his queen to come and say hello and, ex- and exchange pleasantries? And suddenly he just wants to know what she wants. Don't forget, she didn't ask anything even when she was. Yeah, she didn't. That's true. Bajela, Tegel, If you invited us, there must be a reason. I'll give you up to half of the malchut. What does that mean? What does that even mean? Let me give you half the malchut. It's just like a, an exaggeration. I'll give you anything you want. Tell me what you want. She doesn't want half the malchut. I mean, that's, that's, that's not in the deal. Anyway, let's say that what Hachashverosh's question was really, what do we do about this guy Haman? That was the real question. And we know, we know without a doubt, that Haman was interested in usurping the kingship of Hachashverosh. What? Yeah. Certainly, certainly he thought that he was, should be treated like a king. And he wanted everybody to bow down to him, even though that was not part of the job description that he had. And when he came to Achashverosh and he said, let's kill the Jews and we'll make a lot of money out of of it. So Achashverosh, for some reason, didn't think he could say no. Usually the reason that kings want to make money is because they've already spent it. You know, you know, having a war, even in the ancient world or in medieval times, was not always an inexpensive enterprise. And so you had that money from someplace. That's how in the Middle Ages how some Jews got to be rich and powerful by supporting kings who then went and made more money by going to war. And the more money partially was used to pay back the loans, and, and that's how the big Jewish banks got started. But here it is. Let's say, let's say Hashverosh knows that Haman is a bad guy. And maybe he wants the queen. Too. And maybe? He's a little wanting the queen. He, Haman? Yeah. Ah, I'm not sure he wants the queen, but we continue the story 
Pasuk Gimel, Matanis Teramal Chava Tomer, and she responded this time. Now she's going to answer. In Matzati Chaim Beinecha Beinecha Hamelech, Vimal Hamelech Tov. These are stock phrases, right? They don't they don't mean anything in particular. I want to save my soul and my people. Right? Pasuk Dalit. We were sold down the river, so to speak. Total destruction. But if we had been sold into slavery, I wouldn't have said anything, we would still be alive. But since we're going to be killed out, that's that's not worth it. Is that what are you doing? Why are you so 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 I think there's a subtext. The the subtext is you, Akashveros thought that by humoring Haman, by humoring Haman about killing the Jews, you'd strengthen your position. But you're going to weaken your position against Haman, whose position will be strengthened. Right? Etc. Pasukhet. Okay, of course. He says, He knows who it is. It was a discussion that they had. Didn't Mordechai, didn't Haman and Achashverosh discuss the murder of the Jews and the money that would go into the coffers of the king? What was he saying? He's saying, I didn't, when I made the deal with Haman, he was a different person. He didn't tell me all this. He didn't tell me total destruction. He didn't tell me everybody would be killed. He didn't tell me, he didn't tell me all the things that you are telling me now. He was embarrassed. He ran away. He was, he, I mean, he wasn't embarrassed. He was just on the short end of the discussion. He was like losing. Right before his eyes, he was losing in this discussion. And the king got up angry, angry because he understood that Haman was trying to usurp his position. He went out into the gardens. And Haman realized that his only salvation would be through Esther Amalka, if she would say that it wasn't him, Kira Aki Kaltai Lover Ameit Amelech. Now Pasuk Chet, this is it. Right? Amelech Shabi Girata Beitan, the king came back from the garden, El Beit Mishteh Ayayin, Vahaman no fell alamitasha esteralen, Haman fell on the bed that Esther was sitting upon or reclining on. You know how they used to eat in those days? They used to eat, at least the Romans, by reclining. They reclined on like a bed, and they ate at the same time. I guess it was you could stuff more food into you that way. They were into food stupping. Kira Atakaltai Lava Rameitame. Ramela Shabikirata Vital Bepista Yai. Amanda Fela Measta Lava Yoma Melech. Now we know what that means. Did you come to conquer the queen? 
my queen, in my house. So we know exactly what that means. That means that you want to do to me what I did with Vashti? Is that what you want? Because up to that moment, up to that moment, he didn't really have, he didn't really have evidence. He didn't have evidence that, that Haman was trying to usurp the kingship. He knew that Haman was a bad guy, but Haman had, he had followers. He had people who did bow down when he walked in, you know, walked along in the street. He had all of that. And therefore, therefore, even though Ahasuerus must have known that Haman was problematic, otherwise this dinner wouldn't have happened. They would not have come. It would not have taken place a second time. It was Adarabah. Ahasuerus kept asking Esther, give me proof. Tell me, tell me something that I don't know. Show me something that I can use to defend myself against the onslaught if I destroy him. So min hashamayim, you have to say, min hashamayim, something came along. What came along that we could accuse Haman of trying to conquer uh, Esther, imi babayit. I mean, the worst imaginable crime and the crime that indicates without a doubt who Haman was and what Haman and what Haman was doing. So eventually, so eventually that's the, I would say, the interesting thing. Salvation came through Esther, but not because she beseeched Ahasuerus, not because she davened. I mean, I don't know how those things fit into the total picture, but there's no doubt that had she only davened and she only beseeched Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus felt at that time <coughs> that even though he knew that Haman was a bad, was a bad guy and that Haman was out to get him, he did not feel confident enough to just cut off his head on, on the spot. But it was only after he could accuse it. Other people were there. You know, there are always people around in, in uh, fancy places. There are always people who see. They didn't have those little cameras that we have today. But they, didn't, but they were there. They saw it. They saw Haman on Esther's bed. They could all give witness to what had happened. And on that basis alone, Ahasuerus had every right to decapitate him, which he did. Which he did so that the, the hero, the hero of the story turns out to be, or the heroine of the story turns out to be Esther. But Esther started out not understanding what was happening, not understanding that she could have a part in, uh, in redemption, in salvation. And finally, causing the salvation of the Jewish people, but not because he had a plan, not because she knew exactly what was, what was going on, but because Haman inadvertently did something that was culpable. It was like, you know, Al Capone, you know, he killed people, but they couldn't, they couldn't get him into jail because he killed them because they didn't have had witnesses. They couldn't prove it, so they got him on tax evasion, which, you know, Al Capone probably didn't even think was worth worrying about in those days, but he was in jail for a long time. They created a special law just for that. A special? They, no. they passed a special taxation law just to put alcohol in jail. That was the yeah, yeah, but now, but, the but now they have uh, other candidates yeah. that are online. Yeah. Yeah. So
so so uh, uh, so they 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 got Haman, they got Haman, but on an incidental matter, it had nothing to do with the with the discussion about the Am Israel or the Jewish people or what should happen. It had only to do with the fact that they could accuse Haman of trying to uh, usurp the kingship through the queen, through the queen. So you see that Esther was hired by Ahasuerus to be queen because she was anonymous and eventually she was able to change the course of, of history and enable the Jewish people to continue to exist because she was responsible for the destruction of Oman who is called in the Megillah Agagi and which we understand as having something to do with Amalek, right? Agag, Melech, Amalek. As I said at the beginning, we won't have a shear next week. Next week is Tana Sester. Yeah, that's good. I don't want him. I'm not afraid. When you are a legitimate king yourself, you have to be afraid. You have to be afraid? Of what? Other people, if you're an illegitimate king, like if you say he's a usurper. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. It probably happened all the time. It happens all the time, Shakespeare. Which is why anybody who approached without an invitation would be killed. Because part of his paranoia that um, he didn't know who was out to kill him, so anybody who showed up, um, he didn't know who he was, automatically got killed. That's, that's part of the whole thing. But yeah. she because she's Queen Esther. But, but the general law was um, anybody who approaches, the default is kill him. Was it already Persia or was it still Babylon? I was reading well, Cyrus, Cyrus is Persia. Yeah, Cyrus is Persia for sure. But but Ahasuerus is still Babylon, isn't it? Could be, yeah. Could be, from the, from the secular, I have to say, but the archaeological stuff because it's so interesting about this. Also, the Book of Daniel. You look at, you know, all these names come up again. Uh, but it does turn to become. I thought I thought Cyrus changed it into being a Persian. Cyrus is the one that conquered the Babylonians. Yeah. But before the conquest of the Babylonians, it was falling apart. Uh, and that's all Persia. Ahasuerus is usually considered to be a Persian king. Say it again. How, how far into the period of Baichini was Ahasuerus? Uh, was he at the what? Around the time of the Hashbul Na'im. That's when it was already uh, a few hundred years in. Uh, Assuming 200 years before the destruction. The yeah. Hanukkah uh, 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 story was 200 years before the destruction. You say, the spirit was divided by that same time. 